Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, Pastor Kenny Ellis and I talk about assessing a congregation's need in a sermon and the importance of spiritual cultivation in our lives. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, we're back here with episode seven of Armchair Preaching, and glad to have you back here, Kenny, in the armchair with us. Absolutely, yep. And uh, Kenny was in our Vine service yesterday. I was in classic service. And uh, this week we did something that we haven't done in a little little while uh, with, when, with you and I preaching, is we kind of did some divergent kind of themes or divergent topics this week. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about kind of the process of, of what, you know, what drew us to the, the topics that we, we were at. But um, when you are in a situation where you are thinking through for, you know, just Vine or just Classic, what goes through your thought process when you are um, thinking about what to preach on at that point, praying through what to preach on? Well, I think it's probably several things. You and I had decided that this was kind of a, a two-week lull in the middle of longer series that we're either coming out of, like the Galatians series, or that we're going to be launching into um, after uh, Pastor John gets here. And so we we decided on the idea of cultivate, but then kind of said, why don't we each discern for you, for classic, me, for Vine, what we'll preach on. And um, for me, it's, it's, it's partly trying to understand the best I can what the what the lives and the needs mm-hmm. of, of the people who typically attend Vine might be. What are they facing? What are they being challenged with? Or how can I encourage them in some way? But, you, you know, you don't know 300 plus people intimately. Um, so you're, you're, you're just trying to get your best sense of that. And for me, I was just thinking everybody's headed into the fall. Everybody feels a little excited slash overwhelmed with the complexity of of life and schedules and kids and demands and all that sort of thing so i was just thinking a lot of people are dealing with stress and anxiety or feeling overwhelmed and the antidote to that is uh peace and joy yeah and so that's what kind of steered me in that direction yeah and you were preaching out of uh uh, paul's letter to the philippians yep um, I was in the classic service and uh, was thinking again. We were we talked about the idea of a, the cultivation theme, which we're going to talk about in just a second. Um, I really kind of honed in on the idea of cultivating spiritual relationships, yeah. um, and one of the reasons that we had to kind of go in a divergent direction or kind of different directions on that was we'd actually done a series on that in Vine, not too long ago yeah on relationships on relationships and not not the typical like family relationships dating relationships marriage relationships but the idea of spiritual friendships and things like that so it felt a little bit like treading over the same ground where that had not been done in classic this was a a while ago so um i felt like it was important as we're headed again we both looked at it seasonally though you know you were looking at it seasonally um from the individual standpoint and I was looking at it seasonally from in our congregational life. We're heading into a season where we're launching our Bible study, our family night, Wednesday family night thing, and trying to encourage people to uh, kind of engage with their yeah. their yeah. their peers too. So, um, but we did both kind of use the idea of cultivate as an image 
um, as it relates to um, our faith. Uh, talk to me about the idea of you know using that image of cultivation for um, developing a person's faith life. What what is it that really kind of just captures your imagination about that image? Well, one of the things I don't, I don't think it was. Uh, all that uh, new or novel of no, us not, necessarily that's because not. that's you know that's well one I mean you can tra- trace it through the whole Bible but yeah. especially if you look in the parables and teaching of Jesus how often he's borrowing from the the ideas of agricultural and 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 that sort of thing and then Paul oftentimes will do the same thing where he 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 seems to look at the life of faith like it's process um, yeah. Oriented, mm-hmm. which which perfectly parallels kind of the ideas of things growing and being cultivated and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So, I think that's that's truer to how people think and experience their faith as opposed to these kind of one-off um, things where where certain things happen and then that that just stays static. Yeah, the idea of something growing uh, and needing to either be cultivated or protected or encouraged mm-hmm. or fed or nourished, all those ideas swirling in there. I think cultivation is just a great metaphor for yeah. all of life. Well, and like you said, it's uh, a biblical metaphor. I yeah. mean, just all over the scripture. I mean, uh, in the in the Bible cl- the Bible study I teach, you know, we were talking about the the John fifteen, I am the vine, you are the branches, kind mm-hmm. of thing, and and even as I was preparing for that Bible lesson, well, there it is again, and then going back and tracing the line, the, the the Old Testament usage of the vine, vineyard, planting mm-hmm. thing. Again, not novel, but doesn't have to be novel. I think sometimes um, my temptation is to always try to find something that's never been mm-hmm. talked about before, which is really an arrogant kind of a pursuit I think sometimes yeah, nothing new under the sun that's right I mean it's it, there's and, and and what's better than what the biblical image is yeah. not that we can't do new things with it one of the things that I kind of um, struggle not struggle with is maybe not the right word but kind of have to wrestle with in my head when he talks about the cultivation uh, piece um, with our faith is the idea that faith is not is not our addition to the salvation process mm-hmm. But it's, but it's something that we get to participate in. Uh, faith is still a gift from God yeah. um, as it's presented, but we still are called to participate in that, mm-hmm. that growth work. And, uh, and, and you can also tie in a lot of, of themes to the cultivate kind of idea as, as, as we demonstrated this, this past Sunday with you dealing with cultivating joy and me with cultivating the spiritual relationships. Mm-hmm. We both tied into the Pauline letters again. What is it? What do you think it is about Paul uh, and his writings that make it so uh, so relevant to the idea of cultivating uh, faith life? Well, I think one of the one of the reasons why that is true is because so many of those letters were written. Uh, to communities of faith that Paul had either started or at least been very instrumental in helping them start. And he has this sense of ongoing responsibility to see that they grow, that they mature, that they become what they're supposed to become. But he's also very realistic about the things that threaten them becoming what they're supposed to become. So so you just have this kind of... uh, this 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 ongoing care that Paul has for them, 
which once again gets back to the idea of process. Yeah. He, he's watching in real life um, what's happening as the life of faith is either being nourished and cultivated and encouraged or where it's being threatened or undermined. And so it's kind of like this, this living picture in Paul's mind as he's watching this, this happen in the, in the lives of these churches. And so I think it just plays naturally into yeah. how he talks to them and encourages them and teaches them. Yeah, and Paul, because he's a pastor, a uh, church planter, he has that pastoral heart, which is, I think, why, I mean, sometimes preachers get locked into to, to preaching the Pauline letters. Um, and we obviously just did a whole series out of Galatians. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is because when you read Paul, I think for a pastor, preacher, teacher, you feel his heart. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel like when you're when you're uh, preaching through or talking through the idea of joy, you really feel his concern for the Philippian church that they experience the kind of uh, joy that is evident and and accessible to them as followers of Jesus Christ, regardless of their circumstances or persecution. Yeah. Um, in the same token, when Paul is writing to the Ephesian churches uh there's no necessarily there's not necessarily a problem or controversy that he's facing but you really get the idea that he wants them to grow into the strongest uh, body of of you know community of faith that they can and and the relational the relational aspect of that for him is Mm -hmm. so high um so it's always it's always tempting to just stick stay in Paul because yeah. it's so easy to, to, to latch yeah, well he wrote two thirds of the New Testament so that uh, yeah that know, does help quite a bit to draw from that does help um, when you were prepping your, your message or even after you you went through your message were there different things that um, you know for lack of a better term ended up on the cutting room floor that you just were like man given another 10 or 20 minutes we would have gone here or was there something that you would have really just liked to have elaborated on more fully you maybe got to mention it or it was a point but if you're like telling folks hey if you're going to camp out somewhere in this concept of you really talked about the the idea of what are the things that we try to attach our joy to but we don't get to that's where you really kind of camped out this week and the next week will be more about the development process mm-hmm. but was there something that you're just like man um what what did i wish i could have said a little bit more or didn't get to say at all yeah the one thing probably that uh, i consciously had to take out just because i knew i didn't have the time um, and i didn't feel like i could i could be uh fair um with it if i didn't devote a lot of time to it was just the idea that there's that that verse um, I think it's verse 13 where Paul talks about um, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And it's a pretty, it's a commonly quoted verse ends up yeah. on bumper stickers and keychains and above people's weight benches. And, you know, it's just funny <laughs> how many different places people use that I can do all things. Yeah. And I'm not saying this is wrong or this is a bad application of that verse, but it tends to be used in things that where people are trying to accomplish something that will make them look great. Yeah. And and so they quote that verse like this is my way of pushing through and becoming great at weightlifting mm-hmm. or sports or whatever. And and just the irony that in Paul's situation what he was saying was that all things that he's able to do mm-hmm. through the one who gives him strength includes suffering and hardship and the imprisonment where he currently finds himself. Yeah. And so it's interesting how we don't often 
embrace that the truth of that verse um, when we're suffering. It's usually when we want to accomplish something great. Yeah. And I just think there's something, there's part of that is just missing. We're not taught uh, as often, I think, as we ought to be, um, how inevitable suffering and hardship is even yeah. in the Christian life. And therefore, we don't, we don't, we're out of practice learning how to draw from the truth of that verse. So that, that's one thing that I just didn't have the time to say that I thought would have been helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it ties into kind of this, um, I, I don't want to throw it on the, the American thing, but the Western sort of idea of accomplishment that, that it's really about accomplishment. That's what mm-hmm. Paul's talking about versus the idea of, um, joy in the middle uh, or endurance to for the sake of joy in the middle of suffering mm-hmm. yeah um, and interestingly you know um, the passage that I preached on Ephesians 3 14 and following what he's praying for the Ephesians the one of the prayers or the the content of the prayer that he's praying for the Ephesians is that same sort of thing you know he says um, that according to the riches of God's glory God may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And again, that idea is not about great accomplishment, but it's the, uh, that idea of being able to have the obedient life in the face of whatever is coming your way, yeah. persecution or hardship or whatnot. And um, I think, you know, one of the things that, that, that the, the main point of my message yesterday was the idea of praying for people in the same way that Paul prays. Mm-hmm. Um, our prayer life, my prayer life at least, is pretty, has always been pretty um, cookie cutter in the way uh, that I pray for others that are outside my inner circle. And when I pray for people outside my inner circle, the prayer is typically for their health, their marriage, their financial well-being, something that's going to give them that sense of that Philippian, that what we think of that Philippians 4, like, that accomplishment now help them to feel that accomplishment now I mm-hmm. rarely pray yeah I don't say rarely I'll be honest probably never pray <laughs> for people outside my inner circle that they would have that kind of spiritual uh, strength mm-hmm. that that they would understand that power of I, I pray that for my family and I pray that for the people in in this church like the office you know, I pray that for you, and I pray that for Brian, especially when I know you're going to be preaching or something like that. Um, and we pray together. One of the unique things that that we have is we get to have a little a little group of of, of us on staff. Um, we pray for those things for each other, but the the average congregant, I my 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 prayer life is pretty much for their physical mm-hmm. well being, which is a fine prayer. Yeah. But it's not the transformative prayer uh, that will really change the lives of, of the folks in the congregation or change the relationships. And yeah, and that's where the uh, the the using the using the Bible to shape how you pray versus just going off of things you knew all your whole life or that you were taught only one way to pray or whatever. But thinking that the one of the, that the Bible isn't just about information or knowledge or things I should be doing or shouldn't be doing, but there you can just see, and there's several of those places where Paul tells you exactly how he's praying for people. Yeah. That if you were to say, well, like you did in your sermon, that 
And this this not only gives us a little bit about how Paul prays, but it's it's commended to us. We could pray this way. Yeah. And I remember we did the ninety day prayer focus, and that was one of the one of the weeks where we just explored the prayers of the Bible. Yeah. And how all those different prayers could be ways of praying that we could adopt. Yeah. And uh, well, and one of the things I didn't really I, I just flew over it like really fast was the idea that that's how Jesus prayed was for the spiritual health of his followers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I talked about John 17 and, and you know, John 17, uh, verse 15, for example, Jesus is praying for his followers and he says, I don't ask that you take them out of this world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They're not of the wor- uh, of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And then he goes on, talks about the spirit of power, and then mm-hmm. Then he expands that not just from his immediate disciples who are about to undergo their side of the cross where they're watching him go through this suffering, but then for the followers like us today in the 21st century in in Central Florida, um, he prays those same kind of prayers. Um, The prayers of Jesus are the prayers for the spiritual health of of those Mm -hmm. who follow him. Um, Not that the physical is not important, but Mm -hmm. like, you know, and how I think the two messages that we really got to dovetail is the idea that the concern of the prayers of the Bible is not about the the happiness of the followers, but really the joy. I mean, Jesus even says, I think it's John 15, he says that my joy, Jesus is asking that, that, that my joy, the joy of Jesus, would be evident in the lives of his followers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that, that goes right into the high, high, high priestly prayer, we tend to pray for the we tend to pray for the um, the daily bread part, and that's that's pretty much it. We pray for give us this day our daily bread. Give give our our friends prayer. Yep. You know the the daily bread piece. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you did yesterday, and I I did a little bit as well too, is we start off a lot of times with these sorts of series or these sorts of messages on the negative side. Well, I think it's important to start with the, ne- the uh, negative not being bad, mm-hmm. but negative being the opposite of what is ultimately, you know, the goal. Yeah. Well, um, sometimes I think that's just uh, basic human psychology that oftentimes you think about if you can, if, if you can establish the need, then, then there's more of an interest in and finding out what the solution. So in other words, problem solution. Yeah. Uh, and once again, there's no, there's no right. You, you could also, it's cause it's the difference between leadership by pushing versus mm-hmm. leadership by pulling. Mm-hmm. So leadership by pulling would be cast a compelling vision. So I could have said, you know what? I think what I'm going to do is start about, I'm going to start by casting a compelling vision of a joy filled life. Yeah. And with that vision mm-hmm. so clearly articulated, people are like, how do you get that? Yeah. And then I could say, well, you know, he, here's the things that are actually undermining it mm-hmm. um, versus the push type of, of leadership, which is kind of just um, helping people see that this is what you don't have. And I'm going to try to nudge you in that direction. Yeah. But I, I've got to get you to see why you don't have it or that there's an absence or a vacuum there of something that would be really amazing in your life in this case joy yeah so you didn't always start with i don't think we always start that way but i think when we do that's mostly time that's what we're trying to do is establish the need yeah so that people can see oh okay i see what gap this needs to be filled yeah and 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 that um i thought the way you 
yesterday really captured that using the Jeremiah 2 um, passage as an almost as an illustration and then tying it into your you know the trip to Israel and 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 Getty and and the springs in the middle of the desert that God provides versus the broken down cisterns that the Israelites would dig you know and saying well what what is the what is the cistern that you're trying to 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 build for yourself that's not going to hold water anyway mm-hmm. and isn't isn't that so much less so so isn't that more inferior mm-hmm. than the spring that that doesn't have to be filled because it's continually flowing yeah. I thought Bottomless, that was a, yep. that was a great image and um, the funny part we didn't talk about this we both use those illustrations from our time in the Holy yeah. Land yeah when I heard you talk <laughs> about that I thought that's pretty cool yeah so uh, and because it you know when you go to the Holy Land and not that this is you know not that everyone that has goes to the Holy Land but has that this is the goal but you you do you do see the the images that are used um in so much more vibrant way mm-hmm. in the in the scriptures um yeah. going to the wailing wall the western wall of the temple yeah. and seeing people pray and cry out uh for the restoration of israel um and Christians that go there to pray for whatever they're praying for at the time, and then contrasting that with Paul, who was a born Jew, who mm-hmm. prayed typically probably the Jewish way of standing up and saying, I'm I'd never heard that till you bowing. preached yesterday. The yeah. idea that with it, it was unique that Paul said he knelt and that they don't, I thought, I never heard that. Yeah, and I when I prepping the message, I never had really thought about that before. It was a particular commentary that pulled that phraseology mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And, and, and interesting, the shift in preaching posture or in, in not preaching in praying posture for Christians from from the Jewish tradition mm-hmm. because if you go to to the, the Wailing Wall today they, they stand and, and they pray um, and to uh, I've seen other Jewish people that they pray standing up not that that's their exclusive posture but we almost inevitably pray in a more curled up even, even if we don't even if we don't go all the way down to our knees but when you and I have prayed together, we prayed in groups. I I see the whole posture of everybody mm-hmm. kind of get get lower and hunched over, yeah. and how that changes because Jesus Christ is a servant, calls us to be a servant. So we take mm-hmm. the we take the automatic posture of a servant as often as yeah. we can, or as close to the automatic posture of yeah. a servant as we can. Um, it was yeah, just really really interesting. Um, Preview a little bit where you're headed this next week, if you can. Would you got uh, you know where you're headed this next week with the idea of joy? <laughs> Great question. Do you know where you're headed? Because <laughs> by Monday, I don't always know where I'm headed. Uh, yeah, in this in this situation, um, I'm staying right there in chapter four of Philippians because in in some ways, Paul um, talks about how to cultivate joy and maintain joy in the first uh, several verses of that chapter before he gets into what I talked about this last week, which is his secret of contentment. Um, And so, yeah, so I'm going to go back now and pick up on three or four practices that Paul commends the Philippians to engage in to to sustain joy and peace and uh, and to battle anxiety. So we'll be looking at three or four of those practices. Yeah, and I'll be uh, also talking about spiritual relationships, cultivating and continuing that, that part, but really talking about the idea that uh, we are commended to be in relationship uh, from generation to generation, this mm-hmm. idea of mentorship, 
um, and the the vision of Deuteronomy 6 which holds the Shema you know the the Lord our God the Lord is one but really the surrounding verses are about how that's mm-hmm. how that's translated from one generation to the next and how Paul does that same thing with with uh, in mentoring folks like Titus and Timothy and then how he commends Timothy to uh, to invite the older and younger to that same kind of mm-hmm. passage because in the ideal world faith would pass from parents to their children um, and then down the generational line but in practice because we live in such a broken world uh, that doesn't that doesn't often happen and mm-hmm. so the church is called to fill that gap yeah. and uh, so just calling people to be in those kinds of cross-generational relationships um, so it'll be an exciting kind of week. It's Labor Day, which uh, which is uh, can sometimes people kind of head out uh, town. So we encourage everybody to come on out Sunday, or check it out online. And uh, next week we'll be back in the uh, back in the armchairs, uh, unpacking those 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 passages as well. Those Great. sermons. All right. Awesome. Thanks for being have here, Kenny. And uh, if you have uh, missed any one of our armchair preaching episodes, I encourage you to go to Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, really, and hit the subscribe button. And uh, that way you get the latest episode each and every week. They're also available on our website, fpclakeland.org. And all of the sermon archives are there as well. So check those out. And we look forward to uh, talking to you again next week. Thanks again, Kenny. Yep.